This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. You're listening to the Old School Blues Podcast. Old School Blues Podcast. This is episode number seven. I'm Vince, sitting with Eric. Hey, folks. And Colin. Hello, guys. Well, we're back for another show, and we got a review this week. Before we start, um, let's just find out what's going on. Uh, Eric, you have any plugs you want to send out there to the audience? Maybe something you're working on? Uh, you know, Sword and Witchery Light is out there, folks. I'm. Tr- we're working on putting together... A uh, Word document for it, so you can take those four pages of the PDF and house rule to your heart's content. And its official release yeah. will be at GaryCon. Yeah. So, nice. yeah. Hopefully I can be there. We'll see. We'll see. Do you have um, events scheduled for that to run it? or I have nothing because I'm not officially there yet. But if, I'm, if I am officially there, I will have to officially or unofficially... Uh, <laughs> Run something, and uh, we'll work on that. Yeah, worst comes to worst, we can run in the pub. Oh, you, you know, that so Tank Cars Tavern running in the pub? There you go. They, they, you can't do better than that. I uh, like that. For all the latest and greatest, head over to tankcarstavern.com, not to be confused with other sites with blogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. I've been working on some more stuff for Mazes and Perils. We're doing actually a, a remaster for next year. Adding more stuff Ooh. to it and more information and more fun. Yay. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Space Lords of Venus is something else I've been toying around with as well. It's space pulp type stuff. Yeah, I'm very sounds, interested uh, in that. Yeah. John Carter of Mars kind of thing? Uh, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. But we're going to be on Venus this time. So. Uh, oh, that's what, there's Carson of Venus. Yes, Carson of Venus. I actually have yeah, those books. Been reading them for inspiration. Cool. I did a little rip uh, the other day. I don't, I don't know if you saw it, Eric, when I posted up about the uh, three-headed race. I missed that one. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're gonna have to go over to the Evil DM. Oh, uh, God, Evil DM. Dot com. Mm-hmm. That's my blog. Colin, what have you been up to, man? Not too much, guys. Just I, I've been, you know, kind of playing with my my group up here in uh, Chicago on a regular basis. You know, AD and D and everything, and. I think the next convention I'm going to go to is uh, the Midwinter Gaming Convention in Milwaukee. And uh, really, I'm just, I'm just going to be playing a lot of stuff, a lot of board games. I'm, I'm going to run some new board games that have just come out. You know, they're, they're like just been released by kind of indie publishers just to, you know, have some fun with that. And, you know, maybe I'll throw together a Call of Cthulhu game or maybe a vampire game or, or, or something like that. Um, and then after that, it's, it's GaryCon, so... Ahead to GaryCon, 2017, March. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right, let's head into this is how we roll and uh, talk about what we're going to review tonight. Calling all cars. Calling all cars. Proceed to your local game store or game website and be on the lookout for Gangbusters, the world's greatest role-playing game of cops and robbers. 
That's right. Gangbusters puts your group right in the middle of Prohibition-era America where the booze is cold, the jazz hot, and there's always a crooked buck to be made and plenty of lawmen to stop it. In Gangbusters, your players can play fearless FBI agents, honest and not-so-honest cops, Prohibition agents, hard-boiled private eyes, and reporters always sniffing around for the big story. Or they can play the other side, as notorious bank robbers, foot soldiers for the mob, bootleggers, thugs, gun malls, enforcers, and any number of wise guys waking their way up to the big boss and trying to keep breeding in the process. Raid warehouses for hooch, knock over banks, rub elbows with the rich and notorious at the local speakeasy, run one last job for the boss, shut down the rackets, all to the tune of your fist and your trusty heater. Gunfights, car chases, shakedowns, all using a simple percentile system. It's loads of fun for everybody, so don't be a chump. Get the Gangbusters role-playing game at DriveThruRPG or RPG Now, and tell them Mike sent you. Hey everybody, just wanted to make sure you know about our new sponsor, the Open Gaming Store, run by John Rice, the same guy who created D20PFSRD.com, and sales from the store support the Pathfinder SRD website, as well as his other SRD websites. For every $20 in your order, you get a free PDF from D20PFSRD.com Publishing. And if you're a backer on John's Patreon at any level, you get 10% off all orders. So check out OpenGamingStore.com to support Open Gaming. So we were sent an email. In case you want to send something for us to review, head over to our website, dgstexas.com. Check out our new website design. And uh, click on the Contact Us on the sidebar. You can send us an email with information, uh, what you want us to review for you. Or you can uh, email oldschoolpodcast at dgstexas.com is our email address. This one came from, and I'm probably going to bo- uh, butcher the last name, but I'm going to try. Diogo Noguera. Am I pronouncing that Noguera? Right? Yeah. Is it no- Noguera? Noguera. It, it's Portuguese, right? I believe Sorry. so. Well, it's Brazilian. Yeah, probably one of the two. Now, I, I, he, I would try, but at least one of us should like you know not screw it up. So <laughs> I would not screw it up by not saying it. Yeah, it, is he, it, it's, it's not the famous singer? No, 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 no. Okay, because there is a famous singer with that name. Edited by Jen Brinkman. And uh, a bunch of thanks to a lot of people that are here. So he sent us this and said, Hey guys, uh, I got this for a uh, game. you giving it a review and uh, telling me what you think about it. And so here we are. Cool. Um, I believe it's on RPG Now. I'm not sure. It is. It is. Okay, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on RPG Now. You can pick it up. So it is called. Did we say the name? Sharp Swords and Sinister Sharp Spells. Sinister Spells. And, and just by the way, it is pay what you want. So there is no reason not to uh, jump in, grab a copy, and if you like it, log back into RPG Now and uh, tip the creator. Yes, tip him. Tip him much monies. No I'm kidding. Well, yeah, it's really. about uh, a fifty-page PDF, I believe. Yep. Yeah, after you uh, after you take out the OGL and, and the uh, the credit pages, it comes out to roughly forty something good solid pages of awesomeness. So, mm-hmm. so overall thoughts, uh, just looking at the cover and then you know flipping through it, uh, Eric. What were your first initial thoughts about this? Well, I, the first thing that will strike you when you literally uh, flip through the PDF 
is the choices of art are, for the most part, amazing. There's some filler art, you know, general probably stock art. That's fine. But the pieces of art for the, you know, the full page art selections, this screams swords and, and sorcery. If you're thinking uh, Conan and stuff like that, it, it, it bleeds that feel. The art is a perfect choice for this. Yeah, I, I love the, uh, the cover. Yeah. It, it's got kind of a minimalist feel to it to some degree, but it, it doesn't have that um, overly stylized art that you kind of see and, and you know, like Wizards of the Coast uses and Pathfinder. It, it's very clean and yeah. it's really cool and it's very dynamic. It's got like a couple rogue looking women with scimitars like leaping and fighting this like basilisk like creature. And it just it looks really neat. Very well done. When I first looked at the cover, I thought it was awesome. And the first thing that came to my mind, you're probably going to laugh, but a Disney poster. But like an evil Disney poster because the coloring. And yeah, the I can done. see that. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of it like that, but you are definitely correct. It just like it hit me. Yeah. Like I was thinking of like Aladdin and things like that. And I'm like, wait a minute. This looks like a Disney thing, but like a cool version of a Disney poster. And- yeah, there, there are a number of artists that, that worked on. I'm not sure who did that that cover. One, uh, you know, there's like Anita Wright, and I mean, there's the author himself, and Raphael Balbi, and there's a few people that did the art here. I'm not sure who did that cover art, but yeah, it does. It definitely does have that kind of <laughs> Disney feel to it. But but like a scary Disney cool feel going on, not, right? Not, not like right. The, yeah. you know, girly princess thing. I don't want to be no. mistaken for that, but not there's no, anything and, wrong with that. But you know, yeah, and inside it's, it's black and white art, but like like page eight. If you're looking at page eight, that to me. I would have I would have trouble describing what's going on and, and the expressions on the creatures that they are are trying to kill without actually taking that picture and showing it to my party and saying, "Look at where you're at. Look at what's going on." And that says a lot because oh yeah, that, that's the one with that naga like yeah the naga and the, the doorway in the back with the tentacles hanging out of it with the skull. I, there's no way I could describe it with any justice. So if you're listening, like I said. RPG now, go grab it, look at it for yourself. It, it's inspirational. It, it really feels, especially that particular picture, really feels old school and old school in a good way. Like the stuff I, I loved when I was a kid. Yeah, something like that could inspire an adventure. Yeah. Just from that one that one picture, and that that that's good art. Uh, layout, nice, smooth, clean layout. They one column the entire thing, which is fine with me because it reads well for us people with older eyes. So. Amen. Uh, works. I'm have right on my iPad, uh, uh, iPad Air right now in front of me, and it looks beautiful on here. Perfect size for it. I was even reading it on my uh, iPhone earlier. Uh, it's a six S Plus, and it's still able to read on there without a problem. So these were perfect for both digital, and I would only imagine the print version would look amazing too. Is there a print version on here of RPG now? Let's see. Oh, I think you can. Well, no, but there is not, only... Not yet, but he might be working on one. I yeah. Think, okay. It's, it's you been can't requested. request one when you... People have been asking for one. I, I, okay. I, you know, a lot of times with new releases, especially if uh, it's a new publisher and they're smart, they put the PDF out and the community finds the issues, fix the issues, yeah. and then you go with the, you know, the print-on-demand because you don't want to put out something. That, you can always re- update a PDF and people will go, well, all right, yeah, there was... Yeah, you know, this, this chart didn't work, or this rule was missing. 
once the PDF is updated, everybody who already bought it has it. But once you get a print version, your that print copy that somebody has in their hand is locked in, unless you're going to be making, you know, penciling your own corrections. Right. I think the um, the author said there's there's a few typos and stuff that had to be corrected. You know, just like words that didn't get translated quite properly or whatever. But but overall, everything is is pretty correct. But just like you said, you don't want to purchase the, the the big hardcover, you know, or even soft cover print version uh, until it's you know all finalized and corrected. And yeah, and I'm looking at his, his his last comment on RPG now. And you know he's thanking people for finding the mistakes. Uh, they're gonna update a new PDF early in of, in December to correct them, and that's in preparation for the print version. So if people want print, it will be coming. Cool. He, he just basically said it right there. I could totally see this being in a small sized print edition, like what they did, uh, like a Savage World size book, or how they did Dungeon World, a kind of a small compact book. It would look really cool sure. that way. Oh yeah, di- like a digest size. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's it's and I I think just the way the pages are laid out, it it should uh, replicate well as digest size, and an old man like me uh, will be able to read it. Like like you said, my eyes aren't what they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Wearing glasses now. Well, you wore glasses anyway. Now I have to wear glasses. Yeah. So. Oh, welcome to the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. Anyway, so <laughs> let's get into what people care about the most. Let's talk about character creation, first of all, because I'm sure people are wondering, okay, so these guys talked it up. They said it sounds great. Well, what can I play in the game? Well, let's go through the character creation steps real quick before we get into that. You're going to have to wait a second, so we'll get right to it. Hold on. So first you're going to roll your attributes, standard. Any game, always roll your attributes. Then you're going to ter- determine archetype. We'll get into that. Then a vocation. Then a complication. And then you're back to your buying your equipment. So the easiest one here right now to describe, rolling attributes. 3d6, you're rolling it straight down. So what? So we have physique, agility, intellect, and willpower. Right, so there's only four attributes. Yeah, which which is interesting because you know some games have six, right, and uh, some games even have eight, right. But this this is a God forbid seven with coliness, but we'll drop that one. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I think Master Book had eight, but anyway, Mm. this only has four, right? So physique, agility, intellect, and willpower. You had to bring up the downfall of one (laughs) e. I I I'm sorry, man. It just Everybody wanted to be homely, comely, you know. <laughs> Comeliness, yeah, that's what it was. Uh, it, it was it was a new dump stat. But I, I, it's that as if charisma wasn't a dump stat enough. Yeah, you can you can now just dump your your physical tribute. So pretty much, <laughs> it's a standard roll straight down, or you, if your DM want or GM wants, you can pick whatever order up. Most people are probably just going to go straight down if you want to keep the old school spirit alive. That's what I would do, at least. Physique is as said. Agility is said. Intellect. They're pretty much self-explanatory. Maybe willpower. Yeah, pretty much self-explanatory. So, getting to the archetype. What do you think about our three archetypes, Eric? Well, you know, they cover the basics. In a way, it's almost like... Uh... OD&D, except that you don't have uh, a cleric, you said you have a specialist. But you have your warrior, your spellcaster, and your specialist. Your specialist is your thiefy individual. Yeah. I think that it's well, it's well done. It's, it's, 
yeah, the, the magic user. You know, it's what can you say? Magic is magic. Some some swords and sorcery games don't like to include a spellcasting class because, you know, barbarians like Conan pretty much stayed away from magic. But if you watch the movies, you know, you always had some wizard shaman tagging along for effect. So I don't have a problem with the spellcaster well, being included. I think the interesting part, point of each of these classes is other than the luck die, which we'll talk about a little bit later, was that each of them has their own little special, like, little abilities they can do based on their class. So it, it kind of grabs from the newer edition and pulls it back to this old-school feel here. What you say, Colin? Yeah, you still have your, your prime attributes. I mean, you yeah. guys remember that from, yeah. you know, old, you know, D&D. Yeah. Old 10%! 10%! And you have your hit dice. Right, which which really is similar to what we're used to, right? Yeah. Um, you know, hit points per level, hit dice. But you guys also have the luck die, right? Yeah. Which which we'll talk about. And depending on your class, you might get a different type of luck die that that you can use. Uh, and then you get your special abilities, right? So like a magic user can you know sense magic, right? It makes an intellect test to detect the presence of magic in their surroundings, which is kind of cool because that's like an inherent ability. Right, he can just go and do that. Right, um, obviously he can cast spells. Um, one thing, unless you want to save it to later, but I thought it was really cool with the magic users is blood sacrifice. Did you guys see that? Yeah, go, go ahead, go into it by all means. Yeah, yeah he he. Uh, I, the magic user can sacrifice points of physique or agility to temporarily add uh, the same amounts of uh, amount of points to their willpower, and willpower helps you cast a spell. So you can like literally like you know you know, cut yourself and bleed or whatever and do some sort of weird sacrifice in order to, like, to, to give you the determination to cast some super powerful spell, which I thought was really cool. I well, yeah, that that, that, that's cool, and it's kind of... I'm assuming they're drawing a little inspiration there from uh, the DCC RPG spell burning, mm-hmm. but the actual saying that you are, you know, cutting yourself, you're draining your own blood, adds a bit of role play to what could just be, eh, yeah, I'm going to burn two points of... Uh, physique and uh you know three points of intellect no, no yeah what are you doing I'm, sl- I'm i'm slicing my palms open to drain some blood into this bowl as i prepare to cast my spell that was definitely uh, a nice sword and sorcery type of game right right i yeah, i thought that was neat and then and then of course you know for the specialist you know they they, they get a, a d8 luck die right the better luck die um you know, they get sneak attacks, you know, improved reflexes, and their their specialist skills, right, which include, you know, the stuff that, you know, picking locks and hiding and hearing noises, uh, climbing, the, the stuff that, you know, we've come to expect, you know, from that class. And then, of course, the warrior has his, right, the right. special skills that he can do, um, combat-related. So anyway, so they have the general archetypes there, but then we can get into the vocation, which kind of narrows the down, makes your class or character more individualized. And you could roll on the chart that they have here. Oh, wait, that's the complication chart. Whoops. Right. Right. Vocation, you just select, right? Yeah, you just kind of select. I went ahead too far there for a second. There isn't really a, a defined list of vocations, as they say here in the book. You kind of define it. So if you pick a warrior, you can kind of say, oh, I'm a barbarian or, you know, I'm a knight or I'm a soldier. Something that'll 
benefit you overall and give you positive die, which is something we'll talk about a little later as well. Yeah, like a specialist could be an assassin or a thief or a pirate or a spy, and 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 again, you're you're encouraged to kind of come up with your own your own vocation, right? And, and work your character around it. Then you obviously there's something which is really cool, a complication which you can play into the game. You can roll on the chart, or maybe your DM will let you pick it. But the complication, as we were talking about earlier, it helps you improve the luck die. Which will obviously we got to start talking about these dies now because we're talking about them too much, man. Uh. Uh-uh. But you can use the complication in play once per adventure to raise the luck die type up by one. So in that like dire situation, maybe you know if you have uh, let's see, uh, quick, give me some, give me one, give me one. I don't know, you have a sinister pact with some type of demon. You want to call him up to help you, and he comes and shows <laughs> up. You know, Maybe the DM could work with that. I don't know. Just right. Real quick off the top of my head. But it's something you can use in-game once per the adventure to uh, help move things along. So uh, it's kind of a cool idea. Uh, yeah, I like the addiction. So, uh, well, my wife's a social worker. What can I say? Yeah. But you, can, you can be, a, you know, it's not just addictions to... Uh, Addicted to sorcery. Uh, narcotics, but you can be addicted to sorcery. Now, that would be very interesting if your character was also a magic user, because maybe you are somebody who will drain yourself nearly to death to get your spells to be the best they can be, because that is addictive to you. I, I just there's a lot that can be played with. There's, it it there's a, it's also here. There's a lot left to DM interpretation. Yeah, uh, which is very old school. And uh, I personally love stuff like that. And something like this, you can even, you know, rip into uh, Swords and Wizardry, Labyrinth Lord, any of, any of those, you know, OD&D. You can add something like this just to add a little flavor to your PCs, add a little uh, complication. And it always yeah, helps. You could have a situation where, you know, your, your spellcaster is, is addicted to lotus powder. Right, and for one reason or another, like if he's using these kind of, you know, spells involving prescience or or you know ESP or this kind of thing, where he has to like tap into lotus powder and get himself you know kind of high in order to do it, you know, and kind of work it into the plot. Definitely. Um, and you have debts. You know, people can be coming after you looking for money, uh, duty. You know, you might have duty to a religious order or a former master. Um, I like the secret ones too, like forbidden knowledge or secret identity. You know, your secret identity can be discovered, um, but yeah. you can tap into that to give yourself, you know, temporary benefits during the game. So you're encouraged to use these complications, unlike in other systems where it's just kind of there. Right, and, and again, you know, these complications, complications takes up one page of the rule book. They list, uh, I guess, thirty six complications, and. They're not the you know they are a title they're not described. It's going to take work between you, yourself as a player and the game master to define the, how that complication works. But that's a lot of background potential for your for your character, and that helps the campaign overall. Yep. Okay, so let's get to the core mechanics of the game now. So the core mechanic is a d20 roll against the appropriate attribute called an attribute test. Players usually have to roll equal or 
equal to or lower than your character's attribute, the higher the result, the better, so long as it's within the attribute score. I had to read that three times because I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> so the, the high... <laughs> no, really, I looked at that and I went, wait, what does he mean? Wait, what does he mean? I really did do that. But basically, roll under the attribute. The higher or the closer you get to said attribute number, the better. So it's kind right, of... Right, because it's, it's kind, kind of, of like 15 a, as, a, as a score. Rolling a 14 is better than rolling a 2. And I think rolling a 15 is a critical. Yeah, it would be a critical. It's a critical oh. success, right? So there I think that's what they mean It's kind of like a rolling or a sliding D, 1d20 die with the 20 critical sliding back and forth depending on the attribute. I think that's kind of cool. Right. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think it is, it is pretty cool. And obviously a different class or, or well, different uh, archetype, right, would use different attributes. Right. And, and roll against that. And the referee usually has to roll higher than the character's attribute or the player's result. Right, it's kind of like an opposed role kind of situation. So, okay. So we have that in mind. What did you guys think about that after reading it? Uh, Impressions about that, Eric? Well, just like with you, I had to reread it numerous times because I'm old and set (sighs) in my ways and new ways to resolve things that don't fit into my core categories of uh, generally, D twenty, uh, or three D six, or roll a bunch of D sixes and add them up, or percentiles. If it doesn't fit into one of those four categories, it confuses me. Now these are D twenties, but it's a roll under as a roll a roll high. But if you're not coming in with the baggage that I'm coming in with, it's a lot easier to explain to a new player. Here's your score of fifteen. Roll that or less, as opposed to all right, you have to roll a 15 or better on a d20, but you, but you get a bonus because of your strength of plus what? what? And if you're level... No, this makes it all easy. Your, your number is what your number is. And I, that really... If you're not coming in with uh, preconceived baggage, it's probably an easier way to like you know resolve this stuff. Yeah, think, think percentile to some degree. Almost yeah. like BRP, you know, Call of Cthulhu. It's like, you know, if, if you have a, a 44 score in, in firearms, right, roll under a 44. But in this case, it's it's easier because it's just it's just a D20. And then right. the referee right. uh, may assign a difficulty mod- modifier depending on the situation, right? So, uh, you know, a modifier can, you know, either add, you know, to your roll, which means you're going to go over your attribute and fail, or lower your roll if it's just, really easy you know that you're mounting a horse or something yeah that could really make or or break your role if the if the referee was just like all right so you want to do that jump off the wall flip in the air and then stab the guy in the back add plus five to your role it's like Dup. right yep highest it can go is 10 they suggest in the book but i suspect as usual your game do what you want so mm-hmm so what do we have uh let's get on to the uh the interesting thing, pushing the role. What did you guys think about pushing the role? Yeah, it's uh, it, the normally only one test is allowed for any action attempted. However, a player de- describes how his actor or character, I guess it could be an actor, <laughs> is putting extra effort into another try, is risking more serious consequences. He can push the role and try again. But if he fails, 
uh, the referee can make the situation even harder. So this is kind of cool because it, it gives the referee kind of jurisdiction here to determine what happens. Like, I don't know about you guys, I, I, how I kind of assume this is going to be is like, I can't open this door, right? I can't get through this door. I am going to like push harder than I've ever pushed before. But if I fail, I'm going to break my wrist doing it. Right. You know, so it's like I'm going to get a second chance. And if I screw that up, I'm like, screw myself up. Well, I don't think right. the, I don't or think the demon's going to turn against me or, or something bad's going to happen. I don't think the player gets to determine. I think the referee gets to determine what happens in the situation. Kind of like, no, that. yeah, no, that's, that's what I meant. Like, yeah, like the, okay. the player says, I, I'm going to try this again. But then, then if he fails, a referee is like, okay, well, this, you're going to suffer a penalty. You know what? That reminds me of the Ghostbuster die. The ghost die and the Ghostbusters when they like, you'd fail miserably with the ghost. Oh, popping yeah. Up. The GM could go, ha and make it like even worse. <laughs> kind of reminds me of that, but anyway. <laughs> and I thought the the usage die. Now it's not part of the core mechanic, but it's a common uh, role. It can be used as a common role. This role is used to determine if the limited resources expanded or depleted. The higher the die, the more available the resources. When the resource is used, your role is a usage die. So it can fluctuate the die type from D20 to D12 to D10 and scaling up and down with this usage die. Hmm. Interesting. What do you yeah, I, I read that and I had an idea for it. I don't know. We'd have to talk to the, the creator, but I would also apply modifiers to that potentially. For instance, like how much water do you have left and you're in a desert? <laughs> I'm going to give you a negative five on your usage die roll, right? So like you're totally depleted of water. You know, I, I is that kind of how you guys... Yeah, saw that. Yeah. I, I think it was. It's yeah. kind of a fair way to say, "Yeah, I have a torch." Well, how long does it last? Well, let's find out. Right. Type thing. Right. Like you said, with the water, let's find out how much water do you actually have left in that that water skin. What were you going to say, Eric? Right. No, I I agree. In a way, it's like uh, the black hack, you know, where you know it, it, you roll, you know, every time frame. Oh, oh that your torch is done now. You, you, you're You've got less. It, it's better than keeping track of things perfectly, too. Yeah, I, I thought that was cool. I like that mechanic. And now we finally get to what everyone's been waiting for, the luck roll. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the advantage-disadvantage in 5th edition for some reason. I, I don't know. Just That rings my bell there. But it's not exactly the same thing, but sort of like... So basically, you're in a situation, and the DM calls for a luck roll. This is to see what situation the player character is in. So you, every class has their own individual luck roll die. 1d8, 1d6, whatever. And if the, he rolls a 1 or a 2, he's running out of luck and the situation works against him. And also, his luck die is also downgraded following the same chain as the usage die. If he... If he rolls any other result, he is lucky, Although, and things happen in his benefit. So basically, the higher the die, the less of a chance you're going to screw up. And a 1 and a 2 is going to knock you down on the usage die as well. So if he has a D8, you go down to a D6 next time, he has to use the luck die. I think that's kind of it. that was kind of an innovative thing. What do you guys think? Eric? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was neat. Uh, you know, the... Obviously, the the specialist right gets gets what a D eight luck die. Yeah. So so better than the fighter, I guess, or, or the warrior gets up. They got me on a six. So 
it um yeah i i it seems like it would work to me how about you eric do you think it uh works or all right, so I think the luck roll actually works very well with that, and I like the uh, the dice chain. And just to put things in perspective for you folks, everything that we've talked about so far, we're only on page eight. Yeah, this is how. The, I mean, the core rules and adequate. It is really doesn't take up. The rest of it is is all stuff to help you run your campaign and uh, spells, and it's very light system I wanted to throw that out there before I forget well yeah I looked at this I was like 50 pages I'm like wow this guy this guy got it all in 50 pages I wonder I, I gotta see this and then you know reading through it I was like okay alright yeah spent a couple pages here there it works it works and, and that includes monsters and spells and yeah everything else enough yeah. to have a nice little game on a Friday night while it's raining outside deep in the heart of Texas Yep. Dun, 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 dun. So, uh, and actually, since we just brought up the monsters, uh, um, huh? what I like about the monsters is that they pretty much fit on like one page. It, it, it's similar to what I did when I was doing Swords and Witch Through Light. I wanted just enough that you could run with it without uh, overwhelming with you know useless background stuff. In my opinion, useless. I'm sure people don't think that way. <laughs> but I mean, he and then what is it? At, Page and a half, he lists the major uh, monsters that you can come across, and they each are described in a sentence, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, succinct. Th- this is really something that I, I like. It's nice and clean. It, I, this, to me, is what, when I read the, the rules, I was like, this is what I gravitated toward, and I was like, wow, that's that's awesome. So the the luck die also, as we mentioned before, um, if, if you trigger a complication, you improve your luck die by one step. And that means, of course, if you have a D6 luck die normally, you would go to a D8. And that's per adventure. Yeah. Every so, and then the it's end. up to the, the game master to determine, um, you know, how that's going to fit in. Right. Um, you know, if you have supernatural entity after you or or, you know some guys looking for money and coming after you and that can be like the whole adventure can be defined by that so and that's up to the the player to to trigger that right cool all righty i think we have any spells or anything you guys want to just blurt out that you saw that were interesting or a monster you you did like the uh weapon category eric you were speaking before the podcast you thought it was oh, nice yeah. and simple Nice and simple. You basically have three weapon categories: small, medium, and large. D4, D6, D8 for damage. It it keeps it simple and it keeps players from doing the. Well, my longsword does D8, D12, but the broadsword, which I'd like to take, only does two D8 or two to seven against large. No, no, take it. Take the weapon in that category that fits what you want to do. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Right. Uh, unlike. You know, back in the day, I mean, as, as much as I love AD&D, you know, back in the day you had, like you said, you know, it does D8 against a medium-sized creature, but D12 against a large. And right. and then you remember in, in the player's handbook, there was that chart yeah. that listed, like, the type of armor oh, I never <laughs> you were, like, oh. going up against. And no. you were, like, uh, bonus. No. Tap, tapping out, tapping out. No, I remember that chart. We ignored that. Completely ignored that chart. Yeah. That, that and weapon speed. 
we could probably do a whole show on why those things were ignored, but yeah. A lot of people ignored rear AC too. Oh yeah, rear AC because you had no shield, you had no decks. I didn't ignore that. It, it, it got a little bit complicated. So in, in this game, how how do they handle armor class in this game? It's um the, the damage is reduced, right? The damage reduction. And if, if you're familiar with tunnels and trolls, it's similar to that. It takes it doesn't stop you from being hit. It takes away from the damage that's actually being inflicted. Which is realistic if you think about it. If you're wearing mm-hmm. armor, um, it's the armor's being hit. It's are you taking damage? Sorry. Right. I like that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I was curious uh, with his uh, uh, monetary system why he didn't include bronze at all. He just kind of went platinum, gold, silver, copper. It's silver is primary too. Yeah, I'm, shekels, just, right? Yeah, I was just curious why maybe he skipped that. Most games included, I guess maybe he was just trying to be different. I don't know. Kind of uh, interesting. If he's basing it on AD and D or D and D, there were bronze coinage wasn't included, but bronze was included, I guess, in like RuneQuest and games like that. But they had Electrum. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get Electrum. What 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 is Electrum? Uh, it's Elect. And Trump. I don't know what I don't electric know what it is. <laughs> I was assumed it was a blue metal coin. I really didn't know where it came from. Yeah, it's <laughs> that was Mr. Gygax's little true baby coin there. He loved that coin, the Electrum. <laughs> yeah, I have, for various people that played with him, he he they told me he was in love with the Electrum and would give it out like candy, and people were just like, "Where? What is this Electrum?" <laughs> So. It's worth half a gold piece, which means that it doubles the weight you have to carry for the same amount of value in gold pieces. That's right. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, so then you have I can one thing we didn't really talk about was uh, you know, with spells, right? Oh. You use your your willpower attribute, yes, uh, as a test to cast spells, uh, and there can be spell catastrophes. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, which is kind of cool. And it could be really bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the summoning a monster with a number of hit dice equal to the power level of the spell. Yay! <laughs> we already... <laughs> your ability to cast a spell for an entire day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oops. Oh. Not so good. I like a lot of the artwork he uses in here, especially the magic user artwork. It's really cool looking. Yeah, the the art is really nice. The guy with the flames coming out of his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and not for nothing, like I said, e- even if you download this and you go, eh, I don't know if the system's for me, well, then skip ahead to page 40, go to the Adventure Idea Generator, and it is just a really interesting, easy way to get some uh, adventure seeds into your head as a GM, See how you want to run an adventure. If you if you if you're stuck, if you've got that writer's block, it it's a it's a nice little thing, you know. That, you know locations. It it's that in and of itself is worth the uh, admission price of free. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like how he does his charts. It's just like a two d six, and you know, like you do like blue and red dice. You go blue. And then, okay, yeah. one, okay, one. And then the other guy is a six. Oh, okay, so Forgotten God's Temple. Cool. I just kind of like how he did that. Mm-hmm. Very well. All right. So we have our things. We've talked about this this wonderful 
game here. What do let's let's give it a rating. Let let's go with a rating. What do we want to call it? We never haven't done ratings here on this show yet, so what are we gonna mm-hmm. call it? Like on so- uh Save or Die they call it dragons, on uh Roll for Initiative they call it swords. Uh, on Thacko's Hammer, they call it hammers, I believe. I don't know what they call it, to be honest. Out of hammers. If you ask me, I would say tankards, but, you know. Oh, yeah, tankards. Let's, yeah. let's go with tankards. It's okay. Anonymous, anonymous vote. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Time, <laughs> it's time for me to get some drinks from that tanker. Right. Now, now yeah. keep, keep in mind, we haven't played it yet. Right? I haven't played it yet. Right. So I, to, to get the full, you know, like understand exactly what works and what might you know need to be adjusted I, i'd like to play it so what well, we're, we're basing the review on what we read and what we're seeing so we're gonna do a scale of one to five eric or one to ten yeah one to five but you can do half, uh, ha- half. no what yeah. person wants half well because you drank half the beer so you can have like you know half a tanker left this is flat throw it back at you well you know, you're drinking too slow Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to nurse it there. So, okay, since you're the bartender, start us off, sir. All right. Um, again, going in with my own baggage here, I'm going to give it two separate ratings, though. Okay. As a, st- as a standalone system, uh, which we haven't played yet, uh, I would give it a solid four. Presentation is great. Uh the rules, while they are not the OSR rules that you might remember, the inspiration is here and the flavor is great. Yeah. If you want to pick and choose stuff to uh, create your own adventure using the uh, appendix in the back, if you want to grab complications uh, f- for your own you know, OSR game that you're running, yeah. and the fact that this is pay what you want, I, I give it to you as a five. Okay, so okay. Eric gives it a four and a four, four basically four point five. You can say that, yeah. Colin, what about you, sir? Um, I yeah, I'd probably give it to a you know a solid four. Um, and I'll tell you why it's 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 you know I, I like the presentation. I, I love the artwork. I love the simplicity. Uh, it, it makes sense. I'm not confused by anything, which is good. But I was always always thinking i'm like you know what this is something i could like whip out in a pub and play yeah you know i mean it's simple enough that you can give people like small cards that have their character on it and you can just like run an adventure right then and there you know it it, it's fast moving it's simple it's really easy to understand uh it encourages role playing you know which is huge so that's why i'd give it a solid rule uh you know a solid four i'd say what would lift it to a five would be um I like in the rules. It would be nice to see some combat examples. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that that's pretty good. Uh, spell casting and combat examples w- would be nice. Just maybe like a page on that, you know, explaining how that works, just to give people a better idea. Um. And then, uh, I mean, aside from that, I don't know how much I would really add, um, because I think the key to this system is it it's trying to be streamlined and simple and and relatively basic. You, you, I, I don't like systems that have 300 pages of flavor text and then 20 pages of rules. Right. Yeah. Uh, and those systems are out there and, you know, and they look beautiful, you know, they look fantastic. Like a, a good example. I mean, I like the game, but an example of that is uh Shadowrun. Oh yeah. It's this big honking 450 page book. Beautiful. You know, where it's like 400 pages of like 
you know, fluff background and it, it just it's too much you know I'm, i can't go through all that you know i'm an old schooler i i like this presentation it's like bam i can read through this i can explain it very quickly and i can sit down and we can play it and we can play it in a pub so solid four yeah even the second edition of shadow Run book i can look at it across my room and that was pretty thick itself so so all right now it comes down to me where's that where's that music going in the background Need to play that survivor music, you know, going up to the thing to place the note inside the. Never mind. No one watches. <laughs> <laughs> I guess no one caught. I I love the art. That's what definitely caught my eye about this when I first got it in the email. It was just like, whoa, you know, the combat. Not my type of combat. Not that there's anything wrong with the combat. It just doesn't have that old school feel to me. Combat and the way it plays. I, I'm thinking. I'm gonna give it a three to be honest presentation wise layout wise art description and everything is gonna be a four absolute four so that's how i give it i give it a three slot so it's three and a half for me all right so overall we're a solid four yeah four tank cars oh wait no, yeah, tank I, I, I think it was it was well reviewed yeah. and again I'd, I'd like to play it yeah, it yeah. might be something we need uh, you know, to look at. Maybe I'll, I'll take it with me to GaryCon and, you know, get some people together in the pub and we'll whip this thing out and start playing it and have some fun. I like it. So head over to RPG Now. We'll have a link inside our show notes so you can go and pay what you want. Uh, if you like it, go back. Like Eric said, throw uh, the author a few bucks, as much as you think it deserves. Try. I usually try to. If I go back, like Eric says, I try to look at what they suggest and do just give that, because it's generally a good, good gauge of what people have been paying. So, I mean, if you really like it, add a few more. You know, whatever, something you want to do. And uh, I don't know if you want to send us something to review. Old school podcast at dgstexas.com will be our website, or head over to the website. Sorry, that's our email. Head over to the website dgstexas.com. Click on the contact form and give us a link or whatever you want to give us for review. So until next time, people, have a good night. Later, later. Good night. <laughs>